Ephesians 5.25 reads, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Hello and welcome back to Think This Way. I am your host, Pastor Bryce, and I have with me one of the other elders slash pastors here at Faith Bible Church. It is Bob Walther. Bob, thanks for being with us. Thanks for inviting me, Bryce. And I've already told listeners and you that I do pick people for these episodes based on what I consider areas of expertise and skill. And we are talking today about being a good husband. And the very first thing I think we can say is that you have been a husband longer than many of us who are listening to this have been a husband. So we are looking forward to hearing your wisdom as how you've applied scripture because we want to, we aspire to the same thing, really. We are going to be turning to husbands and wives now um, in this kind of quarterly focus on family. We moved from general considerations of family. Now we've moved into marriage. We'll do husbands, we'll do wives, and some other related issues. Um, Talking about husbands, I don't know where I got this from. Uh, I think it's pretty common among biblical counselors. So I heard it from Rob Green, maybe, and others. Often the roles of husbands that the New Testament gives are summarized by three L's. Husbands are to be a lover, a learner, and a leader. And that's simple, and that alliterates, so that's what we're going to stick with. It helps me remember it. So what I want to do today is basically just unpack those three things from the New Testament teaching and hear from you, Bob, how we live those things out. So the very first one there that I named is lover. Every husband is specifically called to be a lover, and that I already mentioned in Ephesians 5.25, husbands love. Husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. And sometimes the word lover, actually most of the time when we use the word lover today, we're talking about someone in an adulterous affair. I just want to be clear, that's not what we're talking about here at all. We're talking about one who loves. So a husband's role is to love. So Bob, could you help us with that for husbands who are listening? What does it mean that husbands have this unique role of loving their wives? You know, Bryce, it's interesting that <clears throat> when we start talking about this, it's really a transition from the previous verses that talk about uh, leadership roles within the family. Between, and I think we're going to probably talk about that a little bit later. But the, I think we are a little bit um, hindered in our understanding of what lover means in the biblical context due to the fact that we, in our English language, have one word mm. for love. We're... The Greeks had three, and I think that would be applicable to discuss those three words for love in that sense. They were uh, eros, which is obviously erotic love, and that is very appropriate applied to the marriage situation. Uh, Philos, or brotherly love, Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, uh, likewise. I mean, we have a relationship with our wives that would include that. We just like doing things with them and and being with them. But but I really think the one most applicable to what we're talking about here is that third Greek word agape. Agape, sacrificial love. A love where we do things lovingly for our wives with no expectation of anything in return. And actually frequently things that may cost us something, where it's actually costly to do it. And 
our attitude in that, I mean, this, I think for most men is a learned type of love. I think we have to practice it just like a golfer has to practice the right grip. It doesn't feel good to him at first. It's not natural to do that. But we don't live in a natural world as Christians. We live in a supernatural world just to be born again as Christian men and, and women. So it is a type of love that we are very capable of uh, learning and becoming proficient at it and loving our wives in that way. On this thought, one question I had for you, Bob, was if someone's listening to this and you're talking about agape love and you define it as the sacrificial giving love without expecting in return, I know that a lot of the popular, Christ, even Christian books on marriage refer to needs in marriage. The husband has his needs. The wife has her needs. You know, He needs to feel respected. She needs to feel loved or something yeah. like that. The question that I have is if a husband's listening to this and he feels like his needs aren't being met, what he'll call his needs, using that popular term. He says, I don't feel like my wife's respecting me or meeting my needs or fulfilling me. How can he still love his wife? How does that look? How does he do that? Well, he does that with intentionality. Uh, I think it's a husband's role to absorb that and love his wife no matter what. And in doing that, I think that the wife will then show the respect for him that he thinks he is due. You know, the, when, when typically in Bible studies that I've been in, when, when this verse is brought up about was loving your wife the way Christ loved the church, Someone always says, well, Christ died for the church. Would you be willing to die for your wife? And most men will automatically say, well, yes, of course I would. But Christ did much more than die for the church. He lived for the church. He, he lived this righteous life that was imputed to us. And I think that's really the issue here. Yes, I would be willing to lay down my life for my wife. But the practical question is, am I willing to live for her? Am I willing to live my life day by day, minute by minute for her? Sometimes I do a good job of that. Sometimes I fail miserably. And that's part of the Christian life. But in the failure, you find places where you need to strengthen yourself in doing better the next day. And a lot of it's just practical stuff around the house. It doesn't have to be some great big spiritual thing all the time. You know, I grew up in a very macho world. I never saw my dad do a dish. So for years in our marriage, I never did a dish. And at some point, I don't think Marianne even coaxed me into it. I just realized the burden it was putting on her to cook for the family. And, you know, I go off and do my thing and maybe play with the boys or watch the news on TV and at some point, you know, this one little practical thing I need to do to help her. I don't like doing the dishes particularly, uh, but she so much appreciated that small thing that I started doing for her. A lot of little, just little things like that that are very, uh, I think, beneficial in strengthening a marriage that a husband can do. Yeah, because that verse, you're right, men are willing to lay down their lives. We go to war. But most of us will never have even the opportunity to physically die for our wife 
I mean, a bullet is fast. Are you going to get in front of it? You could try. You probably aren't going to succeed. So for that verse to have meaning for most of us, it's doing dishes. It's those kinds of sacrifices. I appreciate that comment too because, yeah, this language of needs concerns me a little bit. It's very common, even in Christian circles, say you meet his needs, her needs. Those are desires. It's not needs. Yeah, uh, that term troubles me. It it tends to be self-centered. And as Christians, we are anything but that. Yeah, yeah. well said. I know my wife and I were visiting someone in the hospital. It's been several years ago. And uh, the nurse was in attending this person. I, I think it was someone here at Faith Bible we were going to visit. And we were leaving, and we were in there for quite some time. And the nurse was in there kind of interacting with us. And as we left, we were walking down the hall, and she said, I'm just so impressed with the how you two relate to each other. She said, but, I, you know, I know that, that marriage is 50-50. And Mary and I both wheeled around at the same time and said, no, it's 100% from both of us always. It was just interesting <laughs> that just uh, uh, spontaneously those words came out of our mouths. And the, the, the young lady was just, she said, well, I really appreciate you telling me that. That is really important, isn't it? Yeah, it's real important. I appreciate reading that, like in Ephesians 5, but it is another thing, as it was for that nurse, to see it actually lived out in a couple. Because I think a lot of people are afraid, as married couples, if I try to go 100% for my spouse and I don't feel like they're reciprocating equally to me, will that enable them to keep not reciprocating? So sometimes you try to get your spouse to reciprocate with a cold shoulder or by only going 50%, whereas here you have a great marriage and it's come from just not doing that. Yeah, I would say with response that, don't think that way. (laughs) (laughs) Good. (laughs) Think this way. (laughs) Well, so that's lover. You know, that's the the first uh, unique role of a husband is to be a lover, and that's that 100% sacrificial do-what-it-takes-to-care-for your wife. There's another L and it is learner. And I'm drawing this from 1 Peter 3, 7, which is maybe the second great passage. Uh, well, it is. It is the second great passage to husbands in the New Testament. Peter says, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. But that live with your wives in an understanding way, literally according to knowledge requires being a learner. So Bob, can you help us with that? How do we be lifelong learners of our wives? Well, at the end of my life, maybe I'll be able to give you a more succinct (laughs) answer to that question. (laughs) We've been married 48 years, and yes, I'm still learning. Uh, You know, the whole marriage thing is one of mutual submission. We are both co-regents in our household. Now, there is an authority structure there of the, the man being the leader of the household, and we, we do not uh, uh, subordinate or set aside that authority that we are supposed to be uh, exhibiting in the household. And that is a heavy authority uh, to, to have that weight on us to, to lead our families, and specifically our wives, and to to learn them. But the issue, Bryce, I think, is always to keep in mind 
that we husbands are to subordinate our needs to the needs of the wife. And now I'm using that word that I don't like. But when we talk about the wife being the weaker vessel, I mean, I have read a lot of commentaries or, or even footnoting in Bibles about that, and it always accurately says that that means that the woman is physically weaker. And we know that as a, a very high percentage rule, that's almost 100% true, that the woman is physically weaker than the man. I think it means more than that. Folks, this is my opinion. This is just my opinion. Uh, and we talked about this recently when in 1 Corinthians, uh, the Sunday school class. In my opinion, women are emotionally much more sensitive than men. Now, I would not choose the word weaker to define that. It's a quality of women, and, and it is a quality. And I'm using that in the, the uh, positive term for women. It is a good thing that they are emotionally more sensitive than men. My marriage is, is the quintessential example of that. I am emotionally, I'm not insensitive, but nothing like my wife. So it requires a husband to learn how those sensitivities that the wife has manifest themselves and, and to be sensitive to that. Uh, I can just be a, a bulldozer and very insensitive to the sensitivities of my wife, and I am frequently. This is one I don't think I will ever completely uh, whip in my own life. But I do understand it. There was even a, a secular book that came out years ago, maybe 30 years ago. Women are from Venus, men are from Mars. So the secular world knows this. And I don't think it's something in the Christian world we need to kind of dance around. It's, it's part of learning our wives. Now that we both have already hit hard on the need language, that, again, we disagree with. I want to take one of those books that I don't actually recommend anyone to read, but is so popular. It's called The Five Love Languages. And, yeah. and I know many people have used those love languages, myself too. Do that. That's great. That's no problem. It's not a book I'd recommend, and the main reason being because it leans heavily on that need language, which is more a psychological concept from the hierarchy of needs. So I don't think that's good. Uh, don't do that in the love tank thing. Just be cautious about. But let me say one thing about that book in relation to what you said, Bob, and this learning concept. I worked my way through that book recently because I always tell people, yeah, don't read that. And I'm like, I should probably read that so I know why I'm saying that. And I agree still with that sense. But let me say the one real positive thing from that book that I took away was what you said not just that women are different from men, but specifically my wife is different from me. And even when I'm trying to love my wife, what I find, and maybe this is different for you, I if I say, I really want to love my wife, what I will basically do automatically is whatever I feel loved by, I will just do that. And it is shocking in marriage, and you know, you've been married long enough that that's probably in the past for you, but I'm only seven years in. And it is shocking how I think, oh, I would feel so loved by blank. Therefore, I shall do that for my wife sacrificially. And she doesn't feel loved by it. Because no. <laughs> it turns out she's not me. 
And having to learn, well, what and what I actually did really can do this in marriage is since just about everybody does that, you just look at when I can tell Michaela is really wanting to be loving toward me, I just go, well, what does she do when she's trying to be loving? And whatever she does is really what she's very loved by. Like in our marriage, um, words of affirmation mean a lot to me. You know, that kind of respect, like I really appreciate what you're doing. And so that's what I try to do all the time with Michaela, just affirm her with my words. And uh, it doesn't hit the same with her. I mean, she appreciates that, but it's not the same. What I found is when Michaela is wanting to love me, I think, um, she will want to spend quality time looking in my eyes and talking to me about stuff in our life. And I do appreciate that, but I realize that's learning. I'm learning here. That's what she wants. She wants that more than my words of affirmation. (laughs) So just learning that we are not the same person and even how I love my wife, trying to learn what's what does she even perceive as the most loving. And hopefully in 48 years, I'll have done that better than in seven. You will. Good. You will. Uh, You know, we here at Faith Bible are a complementarian church. And certainly there is no place where the rubber hits the road more than in the marriage situation where we see that that is how God created us. We complement one another. You know, my wife is very sensitive. I'm very insensitive. So blending the two of us together some way, we, we, and I don't mean I'm, yeah, yeah. Well, I can be coarse and hard and uh, insensitive, but uh, as I grow as a Christian man, I, I do better. Mm-hmm. But it's easy for me to fall back into old habits and the old man, too, that hasn't been fully uh, put to death yet. I haven't mortified all my sin yet, Bryce. Uh, but, but I think both Marianne and I both do a better job of loving each other in that complementarian kind of way. Uh, this is where it is fully the head of the household's responsibility to take the lead. That's good. So if you think it means order your wife, and where's my pipe and slippers? No, no, it's the husband's role is to take the lead in dying to his selfish motivations in, in order to properly lead his wife and the whole family. Yeah. I mean, and that really leads into this last L pretty well because what you're saying there of lead is we we said lover, learner, third role here, leader. That is a role that is a husband's role. It's not a wife's role. It's unique to the husband. It is the most controversial one today, obviously, even when you say we're complementarian, which we are here. Some people don't like that term. Uh, we think it's biblical. I think it's pretty clear in Ephesians five twenty-two to 24, wives Submit to your own husbands. As to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. So that call to the wife implies, and even directly states, head of the wife, that the husband is a leader. So, Bob, what does it mean for a husband to be a leader? Maybe you could help us also know what it doesn't mean for a husband to be leading his wife. Uh, well, it doesn't mean to be a George Patton, uh, <laughs> yeah. ordering your wife around the house or issuing commands. 
Uh, it certainly isn't that. I think if we if we carry the scripture on down a little bit, it'll help us to at least get a springboard into this. Husbands, we start back in verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such, but that she should be holy without blemish. So, I have the responsibility of creating a household that provides this sort of an environment, one of sanctifying, one of helping my wife along with myself and when my children were still home. But they're still out there. They still look to Marianne and me for leadership in some ways. It, it is my role, though, to assist them in their sanctification by leading a holy life myself and providing a household medium where that is, as for me and my house, we serve the Lord here. Uh, it's, um, uh, it's, it's a heavy responsibility. Yeah. You know, um, sometimes if I'm doing premarital counseling with a couple, when this idea of submission and leadership comes up, they always want to know. <laughs> That's always, you know, antenna go up. Tell us what that means exactly, because they may not agree on, again, depending on background, like you said, come from a background, don't touch a dish. Some think that's submission, like you you do the dish, wife, you know, I'm going to sit out here. So what does that mean? And I don't have a perfect explanation for it, but what I do tell most couples, I look at the husband, because he's the leader, and I tell him, here's my encouragement for you. You're going to have some decisions some decisions you will make will be moral decisions, meaning it's between what you as a husband believe is right or wrong. Are we going to cheat on our taxes or not cheat on our taxes? As a husband, you're going to lead the way in obviously doing the right thing there. You cannot in any way compromise. If your wife wants you to do wrong, you're, you'll have to lead her and say, no, we're going to do right. And hopefully she won't say that, but let's just say she does. We're going to do the right thing. There will be times in marriage where you and your wife won't see eye to eye on an issue that you may consider even a moral issue. I can think of examples in my own life where Kayla and I didn't see eye to eye on something, but I don't feel like I can compromise it because I think it's a moral issue for me. My encouragement is if you listen to Bob here and you make your life one of sacrifices in other areas consistently and repeatedly, so you don't demand your own way. You can give your viewpoint, certainly, but not thinking that as a husband, I'm a leader. That means I tell my wife when she wakes up, I tell her what she does, I tell her what color the walls will be, I tell her how we do the yard, I tell her how we do the house, I tell her what we do with the kids, I tell, and she just submits to me because I'm telling her in everything, you do this, you do this. I think if instead you give general guidance to the house, but when it comes to where are we eating dinner tonight, I'm letting my wife pick that. I've got a preference, but you know what? I almost don't care what my preference is. That's going to my wife. Okay, what are we doing for fun tonight? We've got some discretionary spending here. Whatever my wife wants, I'm going to love her this way. I'm going to die for her, sacrifice my preferences for her because those aren't moral decisions. So as much as I can, 
sacrifice, 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 give up everything I can for her. And that way, when you get to those decisions that are more direction of family or moral decisions and you don't agree, and you as a husband do have the veto and you have to make that decision, I do find it's a lot easier for the wife if she looks back on a track record like, wow, he basically sacrifices all his preferences for me. So I may not agree with him now on this leadership decision, but I at least know he's not just being selfish and stubborn about it. And I think that helps. I think that helps. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> we, it's uh, Thursday night is our date night. Oh, wonderful! Pretty much every Thursday night we and Saturday morning is our go to breakfast morning. Mm. It used to be Thursday morning, but lives change. Okay. So on Thursday evening, about I, I start teasing Marianne about noon. Well, have you have you thought about where we're going to go eat tonight? Which she's very indecisive about this. So normally, what we do, we boil it down to a country. Mm, there you go. You know, are we going to Italy tonight, or are we going to go to Mexico? You know? call, yep. So it's it's become a family joke about how we come to a decision. Yeah. Are we going to eat American, which probably means fried chicken? Yep, yep, yep. So uh, that's kind of how we go at that. Uh, have a little fun with it. Uh, you know, Bryce, this this thing in being a leader, and this word gets this phrase just gets beaten up to the point where it doesn't mean anything, like the word accountability. Uh, is there, where is there any, really? I'm fortunately in some men groups where there is genuine accountability and genuine honesty and confessing sins to one another. It is so refreshing to have that. But within the family, this is where the term servant leadership is most important. If I'm going to be a true Christian leader, of my, it's going to be as a servant, not as a commander and yeah. commanding things. You know, another aspect, of, we talked about this just very briefly in the elders meeting the other day. Part of my role as a husband is to have the wisdom in knowing when to protect my, wealth from the, my wife from the harshness of the world. Uh, I come home with things at the end of the day sometimes that I've been through that day that are just brutal. And she said, well, how'd your day go down? I said, went okay. I had a few tough spots. I'm not going to give her the detail of all of it. it. It weighs her down because of her emotional sensitivities. So it's not, I, I just don't think it's appropriate for me to spill my, some, spill my guts about it. There are times when it is, Bryce. Yeah. Sometimes I really need her counsel. I need her help. Maybe just her soothing touch, but it takes some discretion and wisdom, I think, on the part of the husband of knowing how to navigate that issue in a marriage also. Yeah, wisdom's such a good word for it, because a lot of these leader, learner, lover, a lot of those do come down to wisdom, and even that learner part basically is wisdom. You know your wife, and that's what you make the decision based upon, knowing she's sensitive to these things. Because it's funny you say that because... Yeah, as a pastor, weighing that with Michaela, because pastors handle that differently with their wives and trying to figure out what do I share and not share. And Michaela is tough. You know, she she had four older brothers, then her, then two more brothers, then more sisters and brothers, and she basically raised that family. And uh, it was a rowdy bunch. So she got tough fast, you know. Yeah. And um, so... And she also really values hearing from me. So I've had to balance that and weigh that with, I don't want to burden her, 
but she's very clear where she wants to hear a little bit more if something's bothering me. But see, I recognize that's different from many other wives. And that's why I just have to know Michaela, you know Marianne, and you make your decisions on that basis. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Marianne grew up in a, in a very tough family. She had a brother, but her father died when Marianne was 14, mm-hmm. and he had emphysema, and she, Marianne's mother and father did not have a good marriage. Her father was very harsh, mm-hmm. and uh, Marianne needs sensitivity for me, which is not something I come by naturally. And I, I have to try to watch myself to, to provide, and I'm, I'm very imperfect at it, uh, but I'm better than I was 40 years ago as more newlyweds. I was completely oblivious to her need for that. Well, it gives us great hope for all the rest of us oblivious husbands <laughs> trying to figure this out with God's help. Well, someone listening to this may possibly have not thought about their roles as a husband. Maybe you're just coasting as a husband. You've not been trying to particularly be the lover, leader, or learner of your wife. Or you've kind of just ignored those roles and taken up some other roles yourself. Whatever the case might be, however you've thought in the past, may God help us all now to think this way. 